This episode of No Love Lost is brought to you by FredHeBakes.com. That's FredHeBakes.com. Guys, I know it sort of goes without saying that things are a little bit, shall we say, stressful right now? So why not go ahead and treat yourself to some delicious baked goods? Fred has a delicious assortment of treats that he has available on his website. And if you head on over to fredhebakes.com and use the promo code NOLOVELOST, you'll get 20% off of your order for those delicious brown sugar buddies. Oh my gosh, they are so, so good and they always brighten up my day. And if you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, head on over to the podcast Jukebox Network, where you guys can buy yourself some No Love Lost merchandise, like No Love Lost t-shirts and Crazy About Kurt t-shirts. So guys, again, we can't thank you enough for all the ways that you support the podcast. It really means a lot to us. And for real, guys, I know things are scary right now, but... It's times like these where we all have to stick together and look out for one another. So be kind to one another, but also be cautious. We hope you're all doing well. We hope you're all staying safe. So please, please look out for one another. Stay home, wash your hands, all that stuff you've already heard before. Um, but yeah, be good to one another and stay safe. We love you. On that note, Michelle, if you would be so kind. Let's go to the island. I would like to see the polar bears. There was a crash, and there are others, and there are numbers, and it all means something supposedly. But even though there are times we We had to go back. Uh, yeah, no, about that. Well, I'm not going anywhere. I, in fact, I'm not even going to leave my home, and there's nothing you can do to change my mind. Welcome back to No Love Lost, the podcast. While under quarantine, we continue <laughs> to examine the television series Lost. Uh, I'm Will Link. And with me, as always... Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And um, much like Desmond, we are uh, locked in our little hatches and um, uh, under quarantine right yeah. now for this recording. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, like, I, I'm not going to lie. I've been thinking a lot about Desmond's circumstances over the last couple of days. Yeah, yeah I was thinking about it's it. Been a, it's been a weird time. <laughs> the second we decided that we were going to do this from each other's apartments, I was like, oh, this really is like being in the hatch. Like, you're at the Pearl, I'm at the Swan. Like, we're all... <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, it's a little crazy. So if, you know, something feels a little off about this episode, it's uh, this is why. <laughs> um, yeah, normally we, we record in the same room and we reserve uh, online calls for when we have certain guests on. Um, but yeah, so this is this is the first time we've recorded this podcast remotely. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's one word for it. <laughs> <laughs> this whole situation. This whole situation. But hopefully uh, you are also um, 
keeping uh, to yourself right now, socially distancing, and listening to this podcast. Yeah. Uh, uh, where we are no, going. Yeah. No joke. I just wanted to say I hope everybody out there is staying safe and staying healthy because we, we care about you guys. So I, I hope you're all doing well. And you know who else we care about, Megan? Who? John Locke. I mean, it depends on the day. <laughs> and we are here to break down a season three, episode three, further instructions. It's written by Carlton Coos and Elizabeth Sarnata and directed by Stephen Williams, who's directed a lot of episodes of the series. Um, it is a Locke episode. So it is. And I was just saying last week about how, like, why? Why couldn't we have just cut immediately to the aftermath of the hatch? And uh, after, what, three episodes, we finally get it? Three episodes. It's interesting that they they had split up characters at the end of, the, of season two. And, you know, coming back instead of toggling between them, although they did that in the last episode, I guess. But they've mostly taken the time to focus on, like, we're just going to be with um, the people the others have captured. Or are we just going to be with Locke now? But we really did need to get back to Locke. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I don't really like this episode. But I like a lot of, like, what comes out of this episode. Like, the way that... um, like where characters are positioned and the way their relationships change. I like all those things, but it's kind of like, I, I don't know. It, there there was a little bit that felt a little bit like a chore getting there, but I liked where we, I'm, ended, I'm, up. I'm not going to disagree with you. In particular, I think the, um, the uh, uh, flashback was a little weak sauce. <laughs> uh, I, it was an odd flashback to be sure. <laughs> Yeah, the flashback doesn't quite work for me. It's like, where did Locke find these people? How did he become part of this? Why is he, like, off the grid now? What has gone on? It it doesn't fill in a lot of blank spaces. I get the point that it's trying to make, uh, the whole uh, farmer-hunter thing, and, again, another major betrayal for Locke in his life, but... I don't know. It does. It does paint him as a hypocrite, as Charlie points out at a certain point in the episode. So yeah, it's just. I don't want to say it's a confused episode, but like there are a lot of weird, interesting components to it. And like I said, it's not. It's not a bad episode. It's just one where by the time we get to the end, like I said, I like where we ended up, but like the trip there wasn't wasn't all that great. <laughs> It's kind of and, like when you, know, there is... you go on vacation and your destination's great, but man, d- does that car trip suck. And it's a, um, you know, there's a lot of trippy things in this. People in sweat lodges having visions. But the story itself becomes fairly uh, A to B, pretty simple. Locke uh, has to go find Echo. He finds him. You know, it, it, it it's <laughs> not... Uh, it's not the deepest well, episode, but with the with the extended vision sequences, it feels like it's trying to be. 
Uh, but uh, anyway, real quick though, before we before we dig into it, if for whatever reason, if this is your first episode of our podcast, just heads up, we spoil everything. Yeah, if you um, if you've never listened before, but you're listening now because you're under quarantine your, and your options are every, limited. <laughs> yeah, every every other bit of media on the internet. Um, <laughs> this is. Well, welcome, first of all, and yeah, we're going to tell you, we may tell you everything that happens on this series. If for some reason the apocalypse, the worst case scenario happens, and all remaining copies of Lost are lost, this is your only record of what the series is about. Okay, so let's start recapping this thing, and, and if I'm uh, if I have some difficulty here, people, it's because uh, I'm I'm got a little bit of cabin fever here, and I'm looking <laughs> at this paper with my notes, and all the words seem to blend together. Do I'm they ha- say all work and no play makes Will a dull boy? Just yeah. over and over and over again. Yeah, I'm having. I think I'm realizing I'm I'm gonna eventually break down like Jack Torrance, but <laughs> for now. Let's talk about the flashback. And let's talk about John Locke. You know, he's driving a pickup truck. It's in the rain. You know, he's all American John Locke in that truck. He does. And, uh, he looks like he's right out of a commercial, right? Yeah, it's like a Ford commercial. And he p- picks up this uh, hitchhiker. who's hitchhiking. He's just on his way to Eureka. Eureka. His name's Eddie. And he's looking for work. And who is Eddie played by? Oh, um, you did tell me. Did he look familiar? I mean, yes, he did. And I know I know him. <laughs> and I think it's just, I think I knew him and I didn't write it down because I know that guy. And now my brain just isn't working right. Will, do you want to take any guesses as to who this actor is? I can't remember his name. I know the face, but the name is escaping me, and I, I swear to God, I meant he's, to write it down, but... He's been in a number of things, uh, but his name is Justin Chatwin. He's been in a number of movies, like War of the Worlds, or if you're a weeb like me, you know him from Dragon Ball Evolution, that, that hot garbage. But, Will, we've actually talked about this gentleman on another podcast that we did. He was Jason <sighs> Kellerman in Orphan yes. Black. <laughs> yes, who, uh, Allison's old flame. Yes, the guy that helped them sell drugs. Yes. <laughs> Which is so funny because he's a narc in this show. This is He's either on one side of the law or the other. I just, I, it took me a minute to, because I recognized the actor immediately. I was like, oh, hey, that's Goku. Oh, that's, or more specifically, that's not Goku. <laughs> Um, and then uh, it took me a minute to remember. I was like, wait a minute. He was in Orphan Black. We talked about him before. <laughs> yeah, and I was, it's, I, like I said, I recognized the face right away. But even when you said the name, it didn't stick with me. But I knew I knew him. No. Um, believe me, guys, I don't hold Dragon Ball Evolution against the guy. He's good in a lot of other things, including Orphan Black. So... He's playing Eddie, and he gets into, uh, Locke picks him up, like I said, he's looking for work, and they immediately get pulled over. And there's this great exchange with the cop where he's like, 
Like, what's in the back of the... Your blinker was out, but then he wants to search things. Like, what's in the back of the truck? And again, very all-American answer that Locke gives. Guns and groceries. Now... Guns. He's got guns. He's got permits for all those guns. Second Amendment, people. (laughs) This was a very interesting setup because... The, because Eddie looks like a troubled kid, he he looks like he's a kid on the run um, who's ran away from home, doesn't have anywhere else to go, you know, that sort of thing. That's the role that he's created for himself. So when he get when Locke gets pulled over, we think, oh, it's because this Eddie kid probably committed some petty crime. But what I'll give the episode credit for is that this is, in fact, a misdirect this is a cop who knows that Locke is up to something shady. Yes. And so he's looking for any excuse to pull him over. <laughs> because when uh, now, when when they point out that the, like hit, picking up hitchhikers are illegal, it's not the kid that's in trouble for that. It's potentially Locke. Because, yeah, this guy, he's looking for any excuse to put Locke away. Which I think, again... The the episode zigged when I was expecting it to zag. So you know what? I even though I didn't like this episode, I will give it credit for the misdirect. You know what's uh well I have two questions for you. One, is it illegal to pick up hitchhikers? I don't think so. <laughs> but I'm sure in certain I, parts of America it is. I know, I mean, just a couple years ago John Waters wrote a book about him hitchhiking across America. Uh I didn't know it was illegal. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is. And two, now was because what happens is Eddie says Eddie helps get Locke out of trouble by saying, "Oh, he's my uncle. Uh, I was yeah. waiting for him." So this cop who we're talking about, who's trying to like get Locke and probably knows something's up with Locke, or is it all? Is it all a setup? Like, uh, is it all? Is it, it all like? Was this part of like for Eddie's cover? That's a great question, and the the answer is we'll never know. I assume it was part of the setup because, like, it's a really good way to immediately endear Eddie to John Locke. It, like, hey, I kept you from, you know, you were doing me a favor by picking me up, but I'm doing you a favor by keeping you out of trouble. And uh, I just Googled, is it illegal to hitchhike? And it is illegal in multiple states, including California. Really? Yeah, according to Google, anyway. So it's, my plan uh, to hitchhike during this coronavirus outbreak, uh, I should put it on hold. Please don't do that. <laughs> that is definitely something you should not be doing. Um, let's see. Yeah, hitchhiking on limited access highways is illegal in all but five states. Arkansas, Kentucky, Missouri, North Carolina, and South Carolina, while all but six states, Hawaii, Maine, Nevada, New Jersey, North Dakota, and Wyoming, generally allow hitchhiking on secondary roads. Um, and then there's more there, uh, but that's that's from the New York Times. So, just a heads up. Good to know. Uh, um, well, Locke brings him back to this, uh, Eddie, back to this commune that he's staying at, working at, living Immediate at, everything. Immediate red flags. <laughs> yeah, anytime, anyone, you know, anyone hanging around a commune. Um, so they go... It all feels very Dharma, doesn't it? <laughs> it's very Dharma. And, you know, the way they all sit around the table and they're like, 
giving thanks and stuff. Mm, I mean, you know, Eddie's got to roll with the punches. Whether he was a cop or not, he'd have to, like, he'd just do the nice thing. But I can't be any part of a group like that, like, that we, like, all have to give thanks before every meal. All that family talk was so weird and uncomfortable. Yeah, it was odd. Um, but this is what happens when you lose the love of your life. You, yeah, and your father abandons you at the same time. Locke is always, and that that's what we're saying about with the flashback, that it just builds on things we already know about Locke. Like, Locke is someone who is searching for a family or something like that. Locke is... Uh, constantly being disappointed by the people who around him being betrayed like it's just feeding into things we already really know about him while um, also kind of diminishing his character further because yeah he he technically engaged in criminal activity when he helped his father get away um, and you know walked away with some of the money but like that's his dad, like, and he was being emotionally manipulated. You could make an argument for justification for his involvement there. This, he doesn't really have an excuse to fall in with these people. It's not like they brought him in and then they sprung the drugs on him as a surprise. Like, Well, well I mean, in fairness, I mean, it's just pot. That's also true. <laughs> You know, I mean that that's that's the thing. And I mean it, but you know, we as a society as a whole, I mean I can give a shit then, but as a society as a whole, we really look at that. Not that you can have that much of it now, I guess, but we really look at it. Well, no, they they wouldn't be an illegal operation now. They would have a farm or something. They'd be selling it to to stores in California, oh, right? Yeah, no, yeah. they they'd have a dispensary, but there are still lots of states where it is illegal, and there are even even it being legal on the the state level, it's still technically illegal on the federal level. Last time I checked. Yeah, we gotta do something about that. I'm not even a pot <laughs> guy. I, I've never even smoked pot, but. <laughs> But, but I'm all for let's legalize it. And Hashtag let the legalize it. Do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so. Uh, it would certainly make uh, getting through this quarantine a lot easier. That's true. I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of picking up doing heavy drugs. So if the next time we record, if I'm like really tripping, that's why I've decided to. You know, let's all. You know what we should all do on like some sort of. You know, uh, 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 FaceTime thing. A whole bunch of us should just drop acid for the first time. See what happens. <laughs> try drugs that characters in Lost try. Like, we, you know, Charlie was a heroin addict, so we should try heroin. And this episode was all about pot, so we should try pot. I'm also going to build myself a sweat lodge in the... Um... In the courtyard of my apartment building. You got nothing but time on your hands, so go for it, my dude. Uh, a couple of things I need to point out about when they sit down for uh, 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 dinner there or lunch or whatever they're having. Uh, Eddie's got a Geronimo Jackson t-shirt. I did appreciate that. Which is a good callback to the uh, the album they were listening to in The Hatch. Oh, it's this uh, band my dad liked. Ah, <laughs> uh, your dad had good taste in music, Geronimo Jackson. 
I don't know if if it's something I should be angry about or impressed with, but man, uh, Lindelof was really committed to the bit of pretending like Geronimo Jackson was a real band. I think it's commendable. <laughs> no, I mean like in outside interviews, he insisted it was real. <laughs> so like I said, I can't tell if, I, if I'm if i impressed with his commitment to the bit or if it makes me angry. <laughs> he, I, I haven't say- decided. I hope if you saw Damon Lindelof and you asked him, oh, what are your favorite bands? I hope that one of them he would list still is Geronimo Jackson. Geronimo Jackson, hands down. (laughs) Top 10 albums, easy. So we see that there's also a a sweat lodge there. And, you know, this is where the conversation, the sweat lodge, this is going to, play into the island where Locke has to go into a sweat lodge and he says basically you go there it's kind of a contemplative place and you can figure out about yourself like through visions or whatever like are you a farmer or are you a hunter I always raise an eyebrow whenever something like this pops up in media right like whenever they're like hey we're gonna go on a vision quest i'm like and the writers were definitely white weren't they (laughs) i don't know it just it Uh, feels a little carlton coos probably went to south america did ayahuasca (laughs) with some people (laughs) right i mean he probably i mean i don't know if he did but he probably did in between seasons at some point yeah he's like it would certainly explain the beginning of season three he's like damon I had a. I went on this trip. I had a vision. <laughs> For how the show ends? No. <laughs> About a bear. <laughs> so, um, you know, John says that Grace, he's, you know, and he's trying to be less angry. Next time we get to the uh, flashback, <laughs> this is like a moment where this woman, who we don't really see, too well she's like walking past them we kind of just see it from behind and she says hi to lock locks aside her and eddie's like like hey you should get together with that girl he says uh, <laughs> he says what she really wants is a daddy and says he should take advantage of this to which <laughs> lock does not like that he cuts him down lock will, this is why john lock will never be uh me too he cuts that down <laughs> immediately john locke feminist it's confirmed everybody (laughs) but um i do think it's interesting the uh the phrasing of what she really wants is a daddy because that's what everybody on this show wants (laughs) it's what locke wanted oh and eddie keeps asking like about this uh greenhouse and he's like what's in the greenhouse what's in the greenhouse and he he's like i've been here six weeks i deserve to know everything about this place six weeks (laughs) it's like calm down eddie which is Uh, like a character bit i feel like every lost flashback character hits at some point of like hey we spent all this time together i'm entitled to this information (laughs) now i assume eddie knew that there were drugs in there Oh, but, for sure. He's he, an undercover cop. But he does the clever. Like, it's not just I'm going to infiltrate this group because we think they're up to something. They know what it is. So he does this smart thing where he pretends to th- that he thinks 
it's something even bigger because he's like i want to be part of whatever you're blowing up (laughs) anarchy baby yeah, no, he, he definitely, because then, like, by comparison, John Locke will be like, well, no, we're not, we're not domestic terrorists. No, we're just trying to sell a little weed. <laughs> we just want people to have a chill time. <laughs> Calm down, Justin. And, you know, you should be, if you weren't suspicious of this guy, maybe on, I can't remember what I thought on first watch if i was suspicious of him or not but when somebody's pushing to know something on a tv show there's something up with them yeah something's fishy there Uh, you got justin you got to make it seem like it's Locke's idea (laughs) so john says he's gonna go talk to mike and jan about it and just so happens mike and jan want to talk to him (laughs) because he goes into that greenhouse with all the weed and they're like, John, you screwed up. Eddie's a cop. And Locke feels betrayed. And he can't lose this family. Again, it's the theme of Locke's always losing things. He can't lose this family. So he's begging them. He says, I can fix this. Um, another desperate moment for Locke in a series of desperate moments. Yeah, and that's it's funny when uh, we've said it before, but it's funny when Jack quotes Locke, and it's funny when Locke quotes Jack. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And this is a total Jack move of <laughs> I will, I will make this better. Um, so Locke, I mean Locke, at least thought he was willing to go to a certain extreme because him and Eddie are hunting out in the woods. Locke has a gun on Eddie. Um, now, on the one hand, look, I get it. You're, you're drug dealers. You want to keep the, your illegal, your very illegal operation under wraps. But, like, come on, man. Is, is weed really worth becoming a murderer over? This is why we have to hashtag legalize it. But it's also, like, it's... it's, it's He's found people who he thinks are a new family and and care for him. Yeah, but they don't because they're just using him. Because the the second trouble comes, they they're ready to pack up and bail, and well, he just yeah. doesn't realize that. That's the that. thing that's so sad about it. That's the thing that's so sad about it. I'm just saying that I don't think anybody should lose their lives. Pro or against, I don't think weed should be the cause of anybody dying. <laughs> I don't think anyone silly should. silly to me. I don't, I'm going to go, I'm going to take your idea one step further. I don't think anyone should lose their life, period. Yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly not on a nature walk. No. Well. They were having a lovely time before John pulled that gun on him. And he, they're hunting and he pulls the gun on Eddie, Eddie's gun, of course, was not loaded. And he starts to question him. And his big question is, if they chose him, did they choose me? Like, if Locke, because Locke doesn't want to think he was, like, such as a weak, easy target to use to get into this. Like, was it just, like, was it specifically that they chose him? And... He, he, it's that, it's that, like, important, I need to matter mentality with with john and if like if you chose me specifically then yeah it means i'm nothing it means i didn't matter 
And Eddie, unfortunately for John, tells him yes. Yeah. And John's gonna shoot him. It looks like if it was anyone other than John Locke, and we know, because we know John Locke, we'd think that maybe he is gonna shoot him. But Eddie knows it's not gonna happen. We know John can't do this. John's not a murderer. And Eddie says, you're not going to shoot me. You're a farmer. Because John never said, you know, he says, you're a farmer, and John can't do it, and Eddie gets away. Yeah, and just kind of walks away, too. He doesn't even run. <laughs> he just kind of yeah, saunters even insult, out of the woods. Insult to injury. Someone's got a gun with me, and I think they're letting me go. I, I make a run for it. Eddie's like, nah, I'm going to walk <laughs> away, slowly through the woods. <laughs> um. So, yeah. So John, and that's that's the uh, end of a that's the end of his drug ring. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like I said, I think this flashback's a little weak. It gets into uh, like it it leaves a lot of questions. Like, oh, what did John do? Because it's never really it doesn't fit into the other things we know about. Like, well, other than the fact that he's gonna like lead the others at a certain point. But it it just feels like a weird detour his life took. Yeah, it, it, like I I don't know. Maybe maybe I mean, granted, life is weird right now. Our current circumstances are very much proved that sometimes life is weird, and sometimes life takes you to weird places. So yeah, it is possible that just for a couple months, John Locke just life took him to a weird place. And then he left and never talked about it again. Left and never <laughs> talked about it and went and worked at a box factory. But, I mean, it's like from everything we know about Locke. I mean, we do know, like, the sweat lodge thing I buy because he's a guy who thinks about walkabouts and there's some certain level of spirituality that this guy has. But You know what it is? But, like, it's Megan... A, it's if, a plot cul-de-sac. You go the, in and it doesn't go anywhere. It is a plot cul-de-sac. It's like, Megan, if I, you know me pretty well... At this point, if I told you, like, oh, did I have to tell you about that six months when I ran away and joined the circus? You'd be like, <laughs> what the hell is this aspect? Of this doesn't fit into anything else. And this is the kind of thing with Locke. Him, this doesn't fit into anything else from the Locke flashbacks. I don't know, Will. You, We've had instances on this podcast where you said things about your life and it made me do a double take. <laughs> oh, maybe you know. Maybe, it's true, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So let's let's go to the island, the only place on this earth uh, without the coronavirus right now. <laughs> Safest place to be. This you island. You have to you have to worry about other types of infections though, and a smoke monster, and an evil sociopath who took over uh, a sect of people there, running his own cult. It, I mean, yeah, it's free of corona, but like, man, it, it's got its own issues. Yeah, I guess so. Um, Great. Beach view, though. Mm. So, naturally, the island stuff opens with John Locke's eye. eye. John Locke's eye opening. There was an explosion, and a character woke up from unconsciousness. They had to start with an open eye. And Locke is alone in the jungle, and he can't talk. And he kind of, through the jungle, sees Desmond running naked. (laughs) We need more episodes like this. <laughs> and then John stands up, and Mr. Echo's stick falls from the sky. 
Um, yeah, that's not great. <laughs> no. I mean, and now this begs a lot of questions. Like, how did these people even survive such a, a explosion? Uh, it's some trippy stuff. It's It gets hand-waved. It's definitely something that gives hand-waved. I guess we're meant to believe that... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that Echo was saved at the last moment uh, by uh, the thing that then took him captive. So, well, I mean, look, uh, I totally buy within the logic of the show that this hatch could implode and these people be okay. Within the, this is the only show that within that logic I accept. <laughs> <laughs> Although you know what, I do watch MCU movies where people are like right in front of explosions and they're just fine. So, but like this isn't a superhero show. It's it, it's weird. It's a it's a narrative conceit that you just sort of have to roll with. Um, but Locke knows he's got to do like that that stick coming down. He's like he's got to figure some stuff out. He's got to figure out what happened, and he needs to talk to the island. So he well, go- he he like there's there's an immediate sense of guilt because Echo is now MIA, and John Locke knows that this was his fault. You know, the the last thing he said before the hatch exploded was, "I'm sorry, I was wrong." And uh, yeah, because yeah. if he hadn't been so insistent that Echo not keep pushing that button, then none of this would have happened. So, uh, we have a moment with Claire. Claire, who's gotten the short end of the stick for a long time now. Yeah, uh, it's and, been so long since her, her last flashback episode. And she's, uh, wants, uh, Charlie to, to find out what, what went on here. Because Locke's back, and what went on with this massive hatch detonation, and, and... She's like, go find out. So that's basically... I've got a babysit. Go go get me my gossip. That's basically Claire's role in this episode. Um, so Charlie goes, uh, and, and there's a moment where uh, Locke is asking Charlie for help, but he can't talk. So he's got to write stuff down or try to communicate. And he's trying to explain to Charlie that he needs to talk to the island. It takes Charlie a little while to get there, but he gets there. And also, Charlie's being very much a jerk, like intentionally so. Yeah. Oh, he is. Um, but Locke... I mean, he was there. <laughs> he knows that Locke was yeah, being Locke... a jerk. And... Go ahead. Yeah, no, Locke has it coming a little bit. <laughs> he still hasn't forgiven him for beating him up. <laughs> Yeah, which he even says, like, oh, the guy you, like, punched in the face a million times. Now you want want my help. Yeah, you know, for having heroin that I didn't take. (laughs) Yeah, that's the other thing. That's, like, Charlie did stay clean. Um, So Locke is building a sweat lodge because he wants to uh, communicate with the island. And he basically just wants Charlie to stand guard. Because, you know, things could get a little crazy. Charlie makes a uh, comment that he'll uh, uh, might uh, devolve into a monkey, which I appreciated as someone who likes to film altered states. That's a <laughs> reference to that. Um, but uh, so Locke goes in there and he goes to have this vision. 
So let's. I, I do like that Charlie points out how hypocritical this is. Is like you beat the crap out of me because you thought I was taking drugs, even though I wasn't, and now, <laughs> and now you're going to go in there and take drugs. Cool, 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 cool. Yep, nothing hypocritical about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so let's talk about this vision. What um. Uh, I don't like it. Okay. <laughs> I don't care for it. It feels like it's there. It it just, in my opinion, it's just there to pad for time. And because, like, I know dream sequences in Lost, you know, are are used almost, almost like a crutch sometimes to move the plot along. Like, that was my big problem with Echo's last flashback episode is that like so much of his motivation and drive in that episode was driven because he was dreaming of Yemi and it's the same thing here it's like all all like the only thing John Locke really needed to like know that he had to find Echo was seeing that stick drop from the sky and seeing that Echo hadn't returned to camp like that's really all you need to be like, okay, I have to find Echo. Like, well, I mean... The, because this is my fault I, and I feel guilty about this. And so yeah. this entire dream sequence is just there to remind the audience of which groups are where to, like, have, I guess, a change in location so that they could use the the airplane set again or the, the airport set again. And I, I guess, you know, it's always nice to see Ian. <laughs> well, I was going to say, there's, the things I like about it is I do like the idea of Locke talking to the island or having this need to talk to the island and try to seek that conversation out. I like that it is, uh, uh, you know, Boone, who is that... Uh, is that uh, uh, it's Locke wanting to be forgiven for his crisis of faith. Because he lost yeah. his faith in the island, um, and that led to the destruction of the hatch. And so now he feels guilty about that, and so he wants to reconnect with the island. I get it. I just, like, I I like just a lot don't of, like it. <laughs> I like a lot of those ideas, but you're, everything you're saying about the flashback is, is or uh, the dream or island communication is right. Boom. Everything I've ever said about everything is right. Thank you, Will. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, it's hard because I can't see your face. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Boone, you know, gives Locke a little, uh, uh, I'm a sacrifice the uh, island demanded. Uh, now, see, little... that's, that's one of the main reasons why I don't like this sequence. Because it's, and granted, I know it's John deluding himself, yeah. but like... It's just this reinforcement of that delusion. And I'm like, oh, that's bullshit. <laughs> you didn't deserve to die, Boone. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, I mean, it's the island saying it. It's not like Boone Is it the it. island, though? Well, I guess maybe it's Boone, because we do know that, like, people stay there on the island. After the die. Now, this is this is a this is I guess is the big question, the the actual nitty gritty of this entire sequence. Is this just John Locke going on a trip? 
or and this is all just stuff he's hallucinating that come from his own brain and the drugs. Um, is he taking? I don't know. Did he actually take drugs to go into the sweat tent? I don't know. It 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 seems like a drug induced state. Uh, I don't know how any of this makes sense unless you <laughs> did take drugs. <laughs> but yeah, it might be just extreme dehydration. <laughs> um, but yeah, is this just John Locke going on a trip? Or is this the island communicating to him? Or is it not the island communicating to him? Is it Boone's ghost? Because we know that ghosts are a thing on this island. And then the thing is, is there a difference? And Legitimately, is there a difference between... Uh, the spirit of Boone and the island. Like, once you're there, are you just part of the island? Like like the Overlook um, Hotel. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Now, see, this is, um, this is the thing about this show. And this is kind of, again, the appeal and um, the appeal of this show. If this is something like all of those things are really intriguing concepts that are fascinating to look at. But the kind of frustrating thing about this show is that when, like, all those things are true or all those things are possible, like, all existing simultaneously with one another, then I think it kind of takes away from their importance a little bit. Like, ghosts being a real thing and being the focus of, like, a series like that, I kind of know where I stand with that. When it's like, it could be ghosts, or it could be some nebulous other type of mysticism, or it could just be John Locke hallucinating. When all of those things are possible and the the narrative never settles on them, there's nothing wrong with ambiguity, but like I'll say it time and time again, it is frustrating in particular with Lost. Um, let's talk about, just very briefly... I well, think, I, I want to get your take on it, though. Like, it, which one? Which one is it, <laughs> or does it matter? I mean, look. Uh, at the time of when they were writing the show, at this time, we don't know that there are ghosts on the island. True. So, my it's, oh, go ahead. It's probably the. Uh, well, see, I I actually do buy. I don't know if it matters, <laughs> and I know that's like a shitty answer, but I don't know if it matters whether it's just some island entity, whether it's Boone being part of the island. I mean, at the end of the day, he's still doing the island's bidding. Yeah, as as a as an adult. I tend to lean towards, yeah, this is another case of John Locke being manipulated um, by a malevolent force that is a part of the island, but, you know, doesn't have Locke's best interest at heart. Whether that's the man in black or not, I don't know. Because, like, I, it's, I don't know. Like, because the, the whole I was a sacrifice, the island demanded thing comes off as very malevolent to me. Um, so I tend to think that this is this is manipulating John Locke for not his own good. But at the same time, I'm like, no, I, I feel like it fits more as like a subconscious thing. Like Locke's just trying to absolve himself of guilt. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. But isn't, isn't that like... Isn't that sacrifice the island demanded thing... 
I mean, it's obnoxious in this episode. <laughs> like, he's not, like, he's not, he doesn't believe that about himself. It's not absolving him. And then right after there, he's put in a wheelchair again. Long. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but, like, this is... It, like, he's immediately humbled by the island. Because the island's like, we're going to go on this journey in this in this weird vision quest. And you, got, you have to be in the wheelchair for it. You have to be that helpless person uh, that you think so, you are. So you think the I was a sacrifice the island demanded was, was meant to slap John in the face instead of alleviate his guilt. Like, oh, I, you said that, remember, John? Like, don't you feel so good about that? Like, that sort of thing? <laughs> like, it's kind of, yeah, it's the I island it's, being sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the island being sarcastic. I think it's being that they're saying, like, yeah, I was an island. Remember, I'm going to sacrifice the island uh, demanded. <laughs> and because we're also at a point where I think Locke feels guilty about what? Like, that's not... It, it was like his that, fault, like Locke, and then the, that was the thing that he literally said. <laughs> so, yes. so, yeah, he and deserves and, to feel guilty about it. <laughs> and I think Locke, we've gotten to a point with his character where he thinks that is a shitty thing. Okay. Okay. I feel better about it now. I love the idea of the island being sassy. <laughs> I think the island's being a little sassy with him. <laughs> okay, I take it back. This scene, this scene is great. <laughs> But then they and then they put him in a wheelchair and they will like my issue with this vision is that I don't think we get a lot of information out oh, of no. it. Oh no. And that's my that's my issue with the whole episode actually. But they they No, this like, is the this ideas is that season 3 padding that we've been talking about for the last yeah. uh two episodes. It's like Hey, we're going to take a lot of time to explain that those people are over there, those people are over there, and John Locke is not going to help them. <laughs> but I do, but I do like that I do like how he's humbled put in that wheelchair. I do like that he's forced to like helplessly watch some people that he does want to help. There's um you know, and a couple of things we see, we see Claire and Charlie, and there they seem uh, fine for now. They say he says ominously, foreshadowing, hinting at what's what's to come for Charlie. Oh, poor Charlie. Um, Same thing. You see Saeed, and you see uh, Sun Jin. You see um, Hurley's typing the numbers in the computer (laughs) at the, and Hurley is like those numbers have affected him more than anyone else and he's there like typing them into the computer uh at that because he works for oceanic now and he's (laughs) typing in the in this vision um you see desmond i guess he's a pilot and he's flirting with a bunch of flight attendants (laughs) and they're like he would he'll be just fine or something like that i can't remember exactly what he's got lots but there's some basically yeah, there's basically he's on his way to an orgy. <laughs> um and then we see Jack and Kate and Sawyer going through the TSA and who's the TSA agent? Oh. Ben. <laughs> Benjamin Linus. But even that's not who he's supposed to help. He before he has to help, he has to clean up his own mess first. And then Locke like has to crawl he doesn't have the wheelchair and he has to crawl up a escalator and he's got bloody hands and of course at this moment Locke leaps out of the sweat lodge and 
now he knows what he has to do. And he tells Charlie that I'm going to save Mr. Echo's life. <laughs> He's like, I can talk again. Yay. Yeah. So, apparently, Mr. Echo was dragged away by a polar I, bear. I was going to say, yeah, that the, there's a jump scare moment at the very end of that vision there where you catch a very, very quick glimpse of a CGI polar bear. It's like almost a, a blink and you miss it. Yeah, I, I definitely had to rewind it. <laughs> Um, and that's how Locke knows that a polar bear has taken Mr. Echo. Um, so now it's like, you know, him and Charlie, because Charlie insists on going, and they venture off into the jungle, uh, where we get a couple of cool uh, uh, visual stuff, like the imploded hat. Yeah. It's cool to see that. You know what? Yeah. I, I, I assume that was done via green screen. Um, it looked pretty good. Yeah, it looked good. And we also see, like, a fresh kill that the polar bear had made. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> um, and he knows it's a fresh kill. It's like, the polar bear will be back. And You want to know how I know the... it's a fresh kill? Because I'm a hunter. He is a hunter. <laughs> He's hunting polar bear. And they have to, and the polar bear does start to come back. And they have to, like, make a, they're, like, running for it. Um, but then, you know, they hear something coming through the woods or the jungle and Locke gets his knife and he throws his knife and it hits (laughs) Hurley right in the canteen. That could have been bad. (laughs) Which, that could have been real bad. And I feel like we don't pay enough, uh. Uh, we don't have enough conversation about how Locke almost killed her. <laughs> he just, we, we need to put a moratorium on him just throwing knives willy-nilly. Because, like, that's how he said hello to everybody in season one. He threw a knife right by Sawyer's head. And, yeah, here he nearly, yeah. <laughs> he nearly killed Hurley. I don't think the island so, would have been very happy with him had he done that. But running into Hurley allows uh, uh, him to be able to tell them the tale of what happened. And about how, uh, you know, Ben is their leader of the others and they captured Jack Sawyer and Kate. uh, Yeah, this this isn't just Hurley going for a stroll. Like, this is him coming back from their their mission, basically. Being like, yeah, it was a colossal finally, failure, everybody. <laughs> he's finally coming back. Um, but. So, Charlie yeah, and Hurley gonna, being like, so good news and bad news. Yeah. But Charlie and Locke are going to press on and look for the polar bear. And Charlie reminds Locke that polar bears are the Einstein of the bear community. Which this is true. The polar bears are like supposed to be super smart hunters. Science fact. <laughs> they um when they're hunting in the snow, they're all white except for their nose, so they cover their nose. Oh, clever girl. So like when they're like lying down, like they know and they cover it. Very smart. Um So they find the polar bear cave. Uh and there's a great little moment where 
Locke pulls out a can of hairspray. <laughs> and Charlie's like, I hate to tell you. And Locke, Locke even appreciates this joke. And he kind of smiles like it's not for me. Yeah, because he's, he's been pretty much ignoring most of Charlie's one-liners up until now. And really hasn't been... He, he, like, at no point did he ever apologize to Charlie for, you know, the terrible thing that he did. <laughs> but, like... Uh, in fairness, when he beat the hell out of Charlie, oh no, Charlie, Charlie stole was... a baby, <laughs> and yeah, he was yeah yeah. He let's not forget he that. wasn't he wasn't high. The island was messing with him, but that doesn't change the fact that he stole a baby. It wasn't his fault, <laughs> but like nobody had any way of knowing that. <laughs> when next time I steal a baby, that's going to be my excuse. You're high on heroin, and you're like, so I'm absolved. <laughs> No, no, that the the I'm like the island is messing with me. Like, Will, we're the continental U.S. You're not on an island. Well, I'm from Long Island. I have to do Long Island's bidding, and Long Island wanted me to steal this baby. Long Island wants babies. (laughs) So, is that what they have on their bumper stickers? State motto. That's what. State, uh, the yeah, the island's motto. <laughs> we want your baby. That's definitely um, this island's motto. Yes, that's true. <laughs> so, um, he goes into the polar bear cave and he finds Echo. And there's a great little moment where the polar bear grabs him and pulls him away in the same way that you see the smoke monster pull people away a it's lot. It's a very horror movie. Like ah, they got me. <laughs> um, but you know what's not. Great, the polar bear. No. <laughs> That's some rough uh, mid-2000s network CGI. Oof, yeah. I mean, we, I feel like we bring this up every time there's a polar bear on screen, but yeah, big oof. Big oof. <laughs> but luckily we don't see him for long because Locke was using that hairspray as like a flamethrower. <laughs> Which is super and... cool. And he burns that bear, and he gets Echo out of there, and they uh, they basically make a run for it uh, <clears throat> until they get to far away enough that uh, you know they could. They're saved. <laughs> they're saved. You know, he tells Charlie about the vision of Boone. Then they're like kind of stopped for a little while, and. Echoes there, and he, and Charlie says he's gonna go get some water because they hear they hear the uh, stream, river, whatever the hell you call it, body of water. Char- it's excuse uh, for Charlie to step away for a moment. Yes, exactly. That's really all it is. Um. So that Locke can experience this, and yeah. then you know Locke is. Uh, Locke is uh, talking out loud. Uh, Sorry, I doubted you, he says to Echo. And, of course, Echo wakes up and seems pretty uh, with it, in a way. Like, he's... he's, uh, uh, Yeah, he seems coherent. uh, Yeah, Yeah, he seems coherent. I'm sorry, (laughs) apologies. But, um... And... He's basically like, he could have saved and blah, blah, blah. And Echo says he still can. He Echo's talking to him. But really, it's the island talking to him. 
It's not Echo. Yeah, because uh, once Charlie comes back, then it looks like Echo never woke up. Or at the very least, just immediately passed out again. So they eventually get back to the camp. And Locke gathers everybody. I'm going to save some of the people he gathered for a a, a segment (laughs) in a minute. Because it's not even like a full C plot. (laughs) It's literally just like a tiny little thing. But he gathers a bunch of people. And Locke says... He he says that he's going to go fine he's gonna go save jack and 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 sawyer and kate and he gives this speech i wouldn't call it a speech it's not that big of a talk but he gives this speech the show calls it a speech. it's yeah now. yeah it's more like hey guys it's gonna be okay this is what we're gonna do and these are our immediate next steps i guess that's a short speech i don't know now let me um it is guider, let's guidance go back and a, leadership a little bit, you know? Yes, I would say that. Now, let's go back a little bit from when Hurley left them. Yeah, he kind of got left behind. <laughs> Hurley's heading back to camp cuz he wasn't going to go fight a polar bear. Nope. <laughs> and Smart who move, does he run honestly. into? <laughs> he runs into a completely naked Desmond. <laughs> And this is, and because of that, we get the old, and Desmond's like, I just woke up like this. Um, We get the old trope of, I don't want to look at your naked body. You know, that old chestnut. You are missing out, (laughs) Hurley. That guy does sit-ups like every single day. I, uh, you know, I should, while I'm under quarantine, I should get fit like Desmond. (laughs) Yeah, he he was very disciplined about his workout regimen. I don't have an exercise bike, though. Like, oh, uh, dude, it is like driving me crazy that I'm not going on my runs. So, uh, just sorry, guys, complete segue into quarantine talk. <laughs> but um, me and my roommate have been playing Just Dance. And yesterday I started doing some ab exercises. And I'm not going to lie, it hurts to sit up. <laughs> so who knows, by the time this quarantine's done, maybe I'll have a four-pack. I won't. I definitely won't. <laughs> I will probably quit because sit-ups are hard. So Hurley's got an extra shirt, and, you know, Hurley's a big guy, so the shirt's perfect. It covers up uh, Desmond's bits. And they're, they're talking, and Hurley's like, like, what happened? And he explains that he turned the fail-safe key, and it detonated an uh, a, a, a uh, electromagnetic anomaly. And God bless Hurley, man. God bless Hurley for being like, well, isn't that convenient? <laughs> Why didn't you just do that from the get-go? <laughs> Which, again, another wonderful example of Hurley being the voice of the audience. But, I mean, why... W- he didn't know what was going to happen when which he is, that Which key. is what Desmond says. He's like, I don't know if it would work. Yeah. And, um... Let's be honest, the Dharma Initiative scientists also probably didn't know (laughs) what it was going to do. But that dose of electromagnetic energy is going to come in really handy in the final season. (sighs) Probably. 
I mean, it is. Desmond has like kind of like kind of an immunity to it. Okay. He can he can take it. <laughs> he can take the electromagnetism, much like the Hulk with the gamma <laughs> with the radiation. gamma radiation. In this, in Lost, electromagnetism can do anything. <laughs> so Hurley's, you know, telling Desmond what's up with the others ta- capturing uh, uh, Jack and everyone. And uh, Desmond says, ah, Locke's going to go after him. He says it in his speech. So suddenly, while Locke's giving the speech, Desmond's just, you know, throwing rocks into the ocean. And while Locke's giving the speech, and then when Charlie calls it a speech, Hurley gives Desmond a real freaky look because... Can Desmond see the future? Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I don't remember where whether or not Desmond maintains psychic powers, but I mean, it's a nice prelude to the fact that at some point he's going to be taking a trip through time. Yes, uh, sometime fairly soon, and I think we had somebody wants to come on for a guest for one of those episodes, but that's talk for off the air, <laughs> Megan. Uh, do you mind if I start with my man in black? Go for it. So when Locke... I mean, this is an obvious one, but let's have some fun. (laughs) Okay. When Locke comes back to the group, he's gathering (laughs) everybody. (laughs) Sorry, I just figured out where you were going. Continue. (laughs) He gathers everybody around, and there are some... Some new faces there. But Locke seems to know him. He even calls him by name. Nikki. Paula. <laughs> and it's like they were always there. And then Nikki is getting, like, aggravated. Like, she's somebody on the main cast who has a say. She's like, like, we need Jack. Like, Echo's hurt. We need Jack. Where's Jack? And... This is the season where the writers of Lost looked and they said, well, we've got like 30 some odd other people who are stranded here. They should, we we could, we could create new characters if we want. And the way they try to shove these two characters in there, like they could have done this in a more natural way. Arntz is a great example of someone who kind of just, slid in for those episodes you know but they tried to gaslight us into thinking nikki and paulo were always there and were always just like part of the gang part of the gang so much that like john locke who we know and love calls him by name immediately they almost feel like self-insert fanfic characters don't they (laughs) yes it's like it's so awkward and so forced so that's my man in black <laughs> i i 100 agree with you like when we getting to nikki and paulo um i it's so weird we've been talking about them for so long and we're finally here <laughs> their introduction <laughs> uh, like it, it is such a misstep for this show honestly in this moment to me it's not as bad it's it's 
it feels more forced a little later. In this one moment, I actually feel like her indignation actually is something I would buy because we've seen we've seen other like pl- uh, plane crash survivors get kind of snippy with with our main cast before. Like we've seen that. So I actually yeah. did feel like it was kind of genuine. Uh, so I didn't have a problem with this particular moment with them. It's later on where it's like it re- they really start to lay it on thick that, yeah, we've been here the whole time. Like It's like, don't pretend, guys. You're absolutely right. I kind of like the idea behind them, but the execution was so botched and so obnoxious that I'm not surprised. Like In hindsight, it makes a lot of sense that they did what they did with them. Uh, even though I don't necessarily feel like that was the right move, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about Nikki and Paolo more when we get to more Nikki and Paolo. But like, yeah, uh, yeah. and there will be more Nikki and Paolo. Honestly, I was more put off by by the dream sequence, like the the whole vision quest thing, because I felt like it was there to pad time. Um, but you're you're absolutely right. But yeah. I will say that your analysis of it and your interpretation of it has swayed me a little bit. Like I'm like, okay, no, this wasn't the isle. This wasn't feeding into his delusion. This was the island knocking him down a peg. I kind of like the island knocking him down a peg, even if I feel like the scene is superfluous. Um, so for being a superfluous scene, I liked your take on it better than my initial reading of it. However, so I'm I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the dream sequence a pass. My man in black definitely goes to that polar bear CGI because it it's it rough. strangely looked worse than the last time we saw a CGI polar bear in this show. I would agree. Yeah, like I'm like, did the budget get cut or is it just because we're maybe seeing it it's, up close? And maybe it's because they're incorporating fire into the effect too. I, I, I don't, don't know. know. It just. It, I, doesn't look I, good. Like in in previous episodes, I wa- I tend to give a pass to the to the outdated CGI, but like somehow this CGI was worse than the last one, so I'm gonna have to dock it. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, my uh, Jacob, I-, I think this is actually the first episode where this is a tough one for me because usually there's a ton of stuff I like. I do think that this is the pro like this is an episode and we've said it already that i like a lot of the individual things in the episode i just feel like there's no real momentum with this episode yeah it's it's Um, it's funny because yeah it's hard to pick out a particular highlight in this one yeah there's there's not there's not a particular like everybody's like oh uh Locks as good as he always is. Charlie's good. You know what? Maybe I'll maybe I'll say this. I it was nice to have Charlie back on a little bit of a uh adventure out in the jungle, being a smart aleck kind of thing. It's like, been a while I actually since think he's been he was out, quite out, out on one of these little excursions. Yeah, and I I think I thought he was particularly humorous in this episode. So. Uh, just having some of these people back that we haven't seen in a little while, that's what I'll give uh, my uh, Jacob to. I'm going to give my Jacob to, I kind of said it at the top of the episode, but I I like where all these character relationships are by the time we get to the end of the episode. I yes. I like, um, 
I like Locke and Charlie burying the hatchet. I like Locke taking yes. responsibility for what happened to Echo. Like, those are things I like. Um, I don't necessarily like how we got there, but I like that that's where we're at. All right. Well, it's, it, like I said, it's, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a bad episode. I think it's kind of a blah yeah, episode. Yeah, it's, it's very middle of the road. Like, it's it's funny because I actually didn't really remember the immediate aftermath of what happened when the hatch blew up. And I think the reason for that is because the episode that shows us the aftermath is very middle of the road. It's not like it has enough egregiously bad things in it to be super memorable, but there's also no really shining moments where where that that really stand out either it's just kind of there and even though it's not nearly as egregious as the first episode in this season you can kind of definitely tell that like okay yeah we're we're still padding for time a little bit yeah and i feel like a lot of episodes yeah. in in season 3 are going to be like we're just padding for time so uh, like we'll have to have to, we'll have to think of new things to say <laughs> when we get to because I feel like this is the season where we're gonna have the most blah episodes. And I think this is a season where some of the flashbacks got kind of rough. Yeah. Or or feel a little like. Plot but luckily, it's the last season. We have to worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so Megan, where can the people find uh, you? You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Manguin. That's T-H-E-N-E-N-G-U-I-N. I also have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams, where me and my co-host Katie Cullen talk about horror things. Um, and I am a member of Rooster Team Radio, where me and my co-hosts talk about Rooster Teeth related productions. Uh obviously, sort of our upload schedule for all of these different things is a little bit in flux at the moment because uh of worldwide circumstances being what they are. But we're going to try to get some stuff out there anyway while everybody's stuck inside for quarantine. So please go check those out. And if nothing else, you have something to listen to slash watch uh, while, while you're staying in. And you can follow me on Twitter at the real will link and you know what's a perfect thing to do while you're under quarantine? Read my Yay! book. Crazy crazy about kurt you can buy it on amazon you can buy it as a kindle or amazon's still delivering you could get a copy delivered to you so that's crazy about kurt it's uh it's good you'll like it um and you can follow us at no love lost pod on twitter so um maybe i won't see you next time <laughs> megan but we'll definitely talk we'll figure this out and uh but uh otherwise everyone see you in another life brother hey there everybody i'm will link of no love lost with me as always megan salinas hey everybody and we're here to talk to you about the podcast jukebox a diy podcast network uh, yeah, the Podcast Jukebox Network has been super supportive of us as we venture back to the island. Uh, and so we just wanted to take a minute to thank uh, them and to let you guys know that you guys should be supporting the other podcast put on by this fantastic network. If you are enjoying No Love Lost 
definitely give a listen to many of the other podcasts, far, many of which are far less vanilla than we are. <laughs> uh, 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 Off the Cuffs, which is kind of the flagship show of the network. It is the BDSM kink podcast that kind of launched this whole network uh, off. You've got the Goth Librarian podcast. You have Being There podcast, a great storytelling podcast. You have the Queers Next Door, also on the network. Uh, Proud to be Kinky. Uh, Drinks with God. And a little podcast that's close to my heart, Megan. What is that one called? Will Sean podcast? Yeah. Will Mm -hmm. he? Oh, no. Spoiler alert, uh, not as frequently as usual. <laughs> but you should definitely subscribe to all these shows, rate them, listen to them on iTunes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, these are all fantastic storytellers. It's so important to be sex positive. So go support these other podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you like us, you might like them. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. We're on the same network. <laughs> so, yes. Rate and subscribe to all these terrific shows. And don't forget to rate them all five stars. And also rate us five stars. Yeah, while you're at it, you're listening to us, might as well give us a rating. (laughs) You're already there. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, guys.